0: We are going to address one of the most common questions that I end up hearing from moms all the time. You might be a handful of months postpartum, that initial weight loss from birth and the water weight and everything has passed and the scale stopped moving, but you're still not totally comfortable in your body. You know, there's some weight to lose still to be healthier and just to like feel better about where you're at, but you're breastfeeding So is it possible that some moms just won't lose the weight until they wean completely from breastfeeding? Are you one of them? Or is there another reason that you're struggling to lose weight? If so, what in the world is the solution? We're going to go over all of those things today. So what I need you to do is get your problem solver hat on because we are digging into this right now. Hey mama, welcome to the Tough Love Mom podcast. I know you're here because you're ready to get discipline and lose weight, and you're not afraid of a little tough love. Taking on your journey postpartum is hard, but it's not impossible. I believe that we mamas have an ingrained ability to figure out what we need to do, make it happen no matter what, and do it in a way that inspires the world and sets a beautiful example of healthy living for our little ones. My mission is to help you uncover that ability and live a life of confidence and consistency. Hey, I'm Liz, and I've been where you are. I gained more than the suggested amount of weight in both of my pregnancies, but with sustainable habits, consistency, routine, and taking hold of my thoughts, I lost it all in just over a year, both times, and I'm here to help you do the same. If you're ready to stop falling off the wagon, truly break free from the perfectionism that is holding you back, and finally feel your best all while enjoying dino nuggets on your salad you are in the right place it's time to get disciplined so you can live a life of consistency and true confidence mama we're about to transform your postpartum journey get pumped up it is tough love time once you're postpartum, all of a sudden you find yourself prioritizing the needs of this little tiny human over yourself, right? I mean, I still do it and I've got two and I'm well over a year postpartum, but it's still, it's just a fact of motherhood. We start prioritizing others above ourselves, which is very important because they rely on us, right? To get through the day, to do simple things. But often, Because we're prioritizing this little tiny baby over ourselves, it leads to worries about our milk supply while we're thinking about wanting to lose weight because we want to feel better. There's all these different emotions and needs and wants pulling us in different directions. And when it comes to your supply, you want to make sure you have enough. You're worrying weight loss might affect it. And at the same time, you're trying to navigate the schedule that's constantly changing. And oh, if you've started exercising, the humility that comes with working out postpartum, because man, you've never really felt like that in your life, right? So, can you say massive mental load? So much going on, pulled so many different directions. And as the months pass, as they just continue to pass, Sometimes you might notice that the scale is plateauing at a certain spot that you don't necessarily want it to be at. You're like, I can still get a little further. So why am I stopping here? What in the world causes that? And what can you do about it? We're getting into it today. So let's first talk about the main causes of not being able to lose weight while you're breastfeeding. What might be causing this for you? The first thing is you might not be eating enough. And if you're one of those moms who has the breastfeeding hunger just all day, every day, maybe this isn't you and that's okay, but this is an issue for some moms. The postpartum body truly, (laughs) the woman's body in general is just miraculous in what it can do to create and sustain and grow life. It just blows my mind, but it's really miraculous in the fact that it's going to conserve fat and weight in order to protect your milk supply. Like it knows There is a little human outside of your body that is relying on you. If you're breastfeeding to continue to grow and fuel and develop because so much happens in that first year as a baby, there's just so much that's going on and your body knows what to do to make sure your baby is getting what it needs. The downside of that is if you're in too much of a calorie deficit, or if you're not getting a variety of nutrients and vitamins in your day-to-day diet, your body is going to protect and keep what it needs to make sure your milk is giving your baby what it needs, which is very miraculous. But uh, it it puts us second, like biologically, our needs nutritionally are being put second. And this isn't always the case. But if you're truly not eating much throughout the day, or you're forgetting for like, four, five, six, seven, eight hours at a time to eat, which can I just say that? After having kids, (laughs) I started to forget to eat. And I never thought I would say that, but it happens as moms. And now I believe that that's actually a real thing, even though before having kids, I was like, how do people forget how to eat? But it just happens. So you might just truly be forgetting, or maybe you're not eating enough of a variety. And so you're not getting that variety of nutrients and vitamins. Your body, again, is still going to give your baby what it needs, but now you are depleted nutritionally. And when your body's in a state of deprivation, nutritionally, calorically, it's not going to let go of weight because it's holding on to that to protect your supply, to protect how your body's functioning. So that could be one reason that you're not able to lose weight while breastfeeding. You're just not eating enough or as much of a variety as your body is requiring in this season. Another reason you might not be losing weight is you're eating too much. This is self-explanatory, right? Because the foundation of weight loss is being in a calorie deficit. But again, that concern with your supply staying high enough for your baby's needs comes into factor. So how much of a deficit do you need to be in? We're gonna talk about this when we talk about solutions to these issues, but it's really easy to eat too much, especially when we're breastfeeding, because we're sleep deprived, right? If you're sleep deprived, if your baby's waking up a bunch throughout the night, which again is normal as a little baby, but you're paying the price of not getting as much sleep as you're used to. And Actually, sleep deprivation can cause an increase in your appetite, an increased hunger that isn't because your body is craving food, it's because of what's going on with cortisol and the hormones in your body, your appetite gets increased. Again, this issue is simple, but because of all the other factors going on, our worries, our sleep deprivation, possibly anything else, stress, figuring out how to cope with these new life stressors, there's so much going on that it cannot feel simple. That we might just be eating too much, but ultimately if we're taking in more than we're expending, that's going to equate to weight gain or a plateau, depending on what that looks like over time. So another issue that might be causing you to not lose weight like you're wanting to is eating too much. The third thing that could be causing this weight loss plateau or this total inability to lose weight is that you're less active than you think you are. Now, before you get upset with me for saying that, because you're on, you feel like you're on your feet all day and you're doing a thousand things and you have a to-do list that's never ending now as a mom or a mom of multiples now, we often can feel like we're more active because we're busier with kids, but busy doesn't always equal active, Now, I'm speaking in generic terms here because sometimes we are actually expending more calorically than we're taking in and we are in a deficit. So it could be something else that's causing this issue. But I do want you to just, and and I'm getting into the solutions here. So we will go into this later and how to address this issue. But just be honest with yourself. You might be on your feet more. Your mental load is probably what it is. It is mental load of moms before you became a mom. Now as a mom, it's way way bigger, right? The mental load is way bigger than before you were a mom. That's just a fact. That's true. So you do have more of a mental load. There's more on your to-do list, but that doesn't always equate to being more physically active. Again, the foundation of weight loss is being in a deficit. And if assuming that if you're assuming that you're expending more caloric energy than you actually are, it could be leading to you taking in too much food, right? So And then thus leading to weight gain or this big plateau that you're frustrated with. So that's another thing. The fourth thing that could be causing this issue with weight loss is chronic stress, right? There's not just mental and emotionally felt stress. Those are things, there's stress mentally, there's stress emotionally, but there's also physical stress and biological stress. So if you did get back to working out and you're trying to get back to working out like 60 to 90 minutes, six days a week, like maybe you're capable of doing that with your schedule. It might be too much for your body, which can increase your cortisol levels. If you're sleep deprived, again, it's going to increase your cortisol levels and an increase in that hormone increases your appetite thus leading you to eat more. Do you see where this is all coming back to? All of these are different issues that we might be facing, but a lot of the times it does come back to what we're taking in versus what we're expending. Um, We'll talk about some issues to help deal with stress in the next portion of this episode. But again, chronic stress could be another factor leading you to this weight loss issue. And the final thing, the final main thing that could be causing an issue with weight loss as you're breastfeeding is hormone imbalances. First thing I want you to do is be super honest with yourself about the first four that we just talked about before you jump to hormones, because it's a really easy thing to just slap blame on without putting in the effort in your nutrition and without addressing issues that you have with food and being honest with the mental load that you feel and feeling like that's activity, but it's really not. You got to be honest with yourself, and I can't be a fly on the wall or this voice in your head for you. You have to do that for yourself. I promise you will be better for that honesty, even when it's uncomfortable. But it is true that your hormones get crazy wacky during pregnancy and postpartum. Again, the female body is miraculous, but it goes kind of crazy with the hormones when we're pregnant and when we're postpartum. So I do want you to make sure you do your do-jill. Wow, words are hard today. (laughs) Do-jill. I should make this a bloopers reel. It's, you do need to do your due diligence with the first four with nutrition and your activity levels and stress, how you're coping. But it could be hormones. That is absolutely something that is a factor for a lot of moms, especially with the rise in PCOS and endometriosis. Those are things that are legitimate and do even further affect your hormones and can cause issues with weight loss. So I'm not saying not to look into this, but again, weight loss is multifaceted and the foundation of it is calories in versus calories out. So you do have to honestly evaluate that before you go jumping to conclusions in other areas, because I think I said this in another episode, but if you're not honest with yourself and doing the work in other areas, how can you trust that you're going to do the work with the hormones, right? Like if we're not going to do the work and put in the effort with our nutrition and with our fitness, how can you expect yourself to put in the effort with something else, right? So we've got to make sure we're being honest putting in the effort. I'm the tough love mom, so I got to say it like it is. So there you go. I love you. It's said in love, truly. Okay. So let's talk about how to do your due diligence, how to figure out some of these solutions to these issues. Before I get into each specific issue, I want you to approach this in a certain way, because if you say, okay, I'm going to focus on nutrition and fitness and my hormones all at the same time, you're gonna be doing too much. And ultimately what that will do is keep you from being able to pinpoint what the true issue is, So I need you to tackle one thing at a time, which honestly is way more sustainable as a mom anyways, because you have enough on your plate. So add on one tiny thing, try to figure out one thing at a time. So you can actually pinpoint the issue and actually sustain that change and keep that change going because ultimately sustainability is all about small changes over time, not massive ones. Okay. So choose one thing to tackle. And and honestly, you're going to nerd out with me here. I'm a, little, I'm a little nerd if you didn't know, but I want you to treat it like a science experiment, right? Scientists, when they're studying things, they, they, they change one factor at a time. So I need you to focus on one factor at a time, not all of them, because then you won't know what the real issue is. Okay. Promise me that. All right. Let's talk about first, not eating enough. How can we address this issue? So, first off, if you're eating under 1800 calories, that can start to impact your milk supply. So, evaluate what you do eat day to day and see how that's adding up, just like a generic evaluation. Because if you are under 1800 calories, your milk supply might be starting to go down. And that it's just like a generic number um, that can affect most moms. It's an average, right? Every single mom is unique, but it is an average. So, it's good to know that and make sure you're eating around the same. Because if we're under that, again, like I said, your body's first priority in, in, in a sense is your baby and making sure it's going to be fueled well. So, and making sure you're making enough milk and yes, it will start to, de- it can start to deplete your milk supply, but just make sure that you're fueling throughout the day. And again, if an issue is you're forgetting or it's going for hours at a time without eating, um, if you're noticing that that's the case, you just got to make eating easier and more simple. And that might be a change from what you were able to do before kids. So I'm going to give you some strategies for that. First off, this is not a season to aim for perfection. So if you were able to meal prep and eat really well and eat super clean before kids, this might be a season you have to let go of some of that expectation. Because if you're not eating because you're forgetting, you're honestly in survival mode. Like I was in survival mode the first few months postpartum. So I just had to make eating easier and it's okay because it's a season. Everything is a season. So just let that be your season. Let go of the expectation for you to be perfect because probably not realistic. Okay. So make eating easier. A few ways you can do this set an alarm every couple hours. So you don't literally don't forget to eat, um, have simple grabbable snacks, And make easier meals. So some ideas for those snacks and meals that I relied on, honestly, my first six months postpartum, energy bites. Awesome. Awesome. Um, Just use like a protein blend and get some oatmeal and peanut butter and honey and roll those things up. Keep them in the fridge. I kept them bedside like the first like three months postpartum. And if I woke up at 2 a.m. to nurse my baby, I was munching on those things. Um, Lara bars are really good for that too. Very similar. So energy bites, protein bars. Fruits and certain vegetables are very grabbable, like baby carrots, bell peppers, so many things are, and almost every single fruit you can just throw in a container or grab it and go. So, those are all very easy, grabbable snacks. Uh, When it comes to meals, sandwiches are really awesome. You can get so you can get fats, proteins, and carbs in one sandwich, wraps 2 burritos, so many macronutrients in there that you can give that your body, that variety that it's craving. If you don't mind leftovers, things like casseroles and quiches and pasta dishes are phenomenal for just making a bunch of one day and then having leftovers throughout the week. And crockpot meals are really nice, too, because you can spend a few minutes prepping those, a few minutes throwing it together, and you're good to go. So those are some simple snack and meal ideas just to make eating easier and faster, but still nutritious. So you're not leaning on, you know, Grubhub and ordering food to your house and going through the drive-thru, okay? Because it does take more time to, like, leave your house, right? Pack up your kids. Oof, I don't like doing that. So just make it easier within your house to eat quick, healthy meals don't overcomplicate it. And if you find those staple things that you love, rely on those. Again, it's a season, so do not expect perfection, but just be intentional and be a problem solver. The next issue we're going to address is eating too much. (laughs) So again, sleep deprivation, this is going to come up a lot in this episode, but you have an increased hunger, right? Sleep deprivation increases your cortisol, which can increase your appetite, but you can't always control your sleep because if your baby's going to wake up, wants to eat. Maybe he's going through a sleep regression. You can't control that. You just can't. So what can you control? You can control your mind and you can control your choices. And it's not fun to say. It's not fun to hear, but it's the truth. It is the truth. What I like to do is have my clients just write down throughout the day, what they're eating, when they're eating it and how much of it And then know anything that's going on in their life. Are they feeling overwhelmed? Are they super stressed? Did their husband just go back to work? Do they have family in town? Do they have extra doctor's appointments this week? Uh, Is there a sleep regression going on? That way they can start to see and evaluate unemotionally how their nutrition is being impacted by what's going on in their life. It really will just bring awareness uh, to what you're doing and how you're coping and how you're approaching food and how you're fueling your body And at the same time, provide you accountability with yourself. Like you don't need to hire anyone for accountability. You can just get a piece of paper out and put it in your kitchen. And that paper looking back at you is going to be like, hey, you know, at the end of the day, when you look at it, you can look at that and go, okay, I can see how, (laughs) how I was feeling really impacted how I ate today. And I I can see where I can do better in a few places tomorrow. So I'm going to work towards that. Or after doing this for a while, that piece of paper is there looking at you and you know, if you write it down, if you eat it, you're going to write it down. And that in itself is accountability, which is a really cool thing that you can just do for yourself. So again, note anything that's going on in your life and the foods that you're putting in your body. Just put those things together unemotionally on the piece of paper. And again, the foundation of this is being honest with yourself. It's also going to bring some awareness um, of how you might be using food to cope or avoid certain things that are going on that you just need to address or communicate with people about. So it's a really beautiful way to just start fixing things that are going on in your life and in your nutrition without complicating it. Again, I'm all about simplicity, especially in the season when you're facing kind of this big gorilla on your back of an issue of, I want to keep losing weight, but I'm super stuck. And there's so many ways out there to do this piece of paper in your kitchen. And just being aware of what you're doing and how you're fueling is really helpful. So that's a great place to start. Um, If you are in a place to take on more mentally and get more focused in on your weight loss, just be more intentional and more able to just, you know, more than just writing down what you're eating, um, you can calculate your exact needs calorically and be more intentional day to day about aiming for that. Things you want to factor in is the fact that you're breastfeeding Uh, your activity level and how often you're being active, the intensity level of that and your current weight, because those are all things that should be factored into what your specific unique caloric need is. And then just being more intentional about that day to day. This is something that I guide my clients through. You can grab info on that below, but that's another thing you can do to address this issue of eating too much. And so ultimately not losing the weight you want to lose. The third thing, let's address being less active than you think you are. Ooh, this is a hard one to swallow because again, we have that bigger mental load. We're on our feet more often, we think, and we just feel like we're super, super active all day, playing with my kids, you know, running after my crawling baby, all those things. I think I'm more active and I don't really need to work out. Again, I can't say for you specifically if you are actually more active than you were before or active enough to be losing weight. I don't know exactly because everyone is so unique, but this is something you can evaluate yourself. So one thing that helps, uh, it's not perfect. It's not perfectly accurate, but wearable technology like a smartwatch or one of those Fitbit things is really good for feedback. Again, I'm gonna reiterate this. It is not perfectly accurate. So stop focusing on how many calories it says you burned, But do use it for feedback. Use it for a general average idea. And I think a great thing, especially postpartum, to look at is your steps per day, how many hours you were standing. Uh, Those are things that, for me, I noticed huge changes in postpartum, especially the first, like, six to nine months, after my babies were born, I noticed a huge change versus the end of my pregnancy and versus further on postpartum. So, that's something that can just give you, again, generic feedback on how much activity level you actually are engaging in. And, you know, if you're less active those first few months, rightly so, like you should be sitting and recovering. And obviously, you're nursing a lot if you're breastfeeding exclusively. So, that's okay, but just use it as feedback. Uh, To be honest, because sometimes we can feel more active than we are, but stuff like that wearable technology is going to tell it like it is. Another thing you can do to be more active and more intentional without overexerting yourself, and this is F-R-E-E, is walking. Plan in one a day like planning a daily walk. It's so good for you and your baby. It's so good for your body to get that vitamin D, that fresh air. Uh, We personally in our household love the post-nap pre-dinner time to have a walk. And a lot of the times I throw my earbuds in so I can kind of tune out my kids and have my own silence and my own thing for a little while, but it's a great time to listen to this podcast, (laughs) but get some fresh air. Um, And it really helps for us at least avoid too many witching hour meltdowns so we love the pre, you know, the post nap pre-dinner time of day for a daily walk but pick a time of day that works for you where you could get in a daily walk or even a couple times a week if you're not walking at all it's a great thing to do another way you can get more activity in your week to week is habit stacking so this is a really cool thing you can apply to any habits that you want to add into your life but we're just talking about physical activity so if there's something you do daily, And I'm gonna give a couple examples, but anything that you do daily that's kind of automatic, I want you to add in another habit with that one that's already ingrained, already routine. So for example, like brushing your teeth. You probably do that at a specific time of day, every single day. It's habit for you. Well, while you're brushing your teeth, you can add in the habit of starting to do squats while you're brushing your teeth. There you go. There's a few more minutes, seconds of Extra physical activity. Another thing, if you have something in the microwave, right? I talked about making casseroles or just really quick, easy meals. I love having quiche in our home, um, and I like to have that for lunch a lot. I'm throwing that in the microwave for almost a minute, and guess what? You can do like jumping jacks or high knees or squats or lunges. Well, something's in the microwave, and this one. Again, I'm a tough love mom, so I got to be straight with you. If you're watching TV and it's a commercial break because you're not on Netflix or watching a recording, which you're probably watching a recording because mom life, but you right, 7 p.m., 8 p.m., that's like bedtime, so we don't watch anything live. But if for some reason you have a commercial break, I want you to stand up instead of picking your phone up to scroll and avoid watching the boring TV and filling your mind with something more interesting like your feed. I want you to stand up off the couch during the commercial break and do some lunges or walk around your home, pick up some things like just use that time efficiently if you're watching live TV. Um, But again, anything where you already have a habit of doing something or, you know, it's, it's something you do every single day, add in the habit of moving a little bit extra. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. Literally one, two, three minutes of something extra is going to be so impactful and it does raise your heart rate, you're moving a little bit more before, you know, if you do that with like four or five habits throughout the day, you might be adding in up to 10, 15 minutes of physical activity. I mean, that's a big difference. So it's a really simple way to add in some more activity into your life. And the last thing, this is what I rely on. To be honest, I plan my week ahead of time. And I follow workout programs because I don't have to like make the choice of what I'm going to do on that day. I can just show up and do it because I don't have that mental energy to be making all those decisions. So I just follow workout programs most of the time. And I plan my week. I say on this day, I'm doing this workout on this day. I'm doing this workout. And I know that I have this expectation of myself of working out a certain number of days a week, and that has changed. It's six weeks postpartum, it was different than it is now, so again, it is a journey, it is a progression, but I sit down and I choose the days I'm gonna do which workouts, and I hold myself to that expectation. Again, I do a little bit more now than I did at six weeks postpartum because I'm capable of that, it's sustainable for me, but what you can do is sit down with a planner, plum paper is my absolute favorite. Sit down with a planner, sit down with your workout program, or even just like workout ideas and choose the days you're going to work out a minimum expectation of what you can uphold of what you can up- sustain and follow through on that. Okay. And if you can't follow through on that, you can go look back at the week and evaluate. Okay. I had way more going on than I thought I did. I'm going to lessen it a little bit next week and adjust pivot. Like this is life. This is a journey. I'm going to sound so cliche, but it's called a journey for a reason, right? We're not going to have the path figured out before we get on that path. So you have to be able to pivot. But again, planning ahead is going to help you take so much of that decision energy out of the picture and show up more consistently. Okay. Let's talk about chronic stress. First thing, you got to start finding some healthier ways to cope because Some of the things that cause chronic stress in this season of motherhood just cannot be avoided. Like you cannot avoid sleep deprivation when your baby's waking up and needs to nurse. You cannot avoid the bigger mental load because now you're caring for another human being because you're caring, caring for another human being. Like you can't change some of these things that we're facing that are causing more stress. So what things, I don't have all the answers for this because to be totally honest, I'm still a mom. <laughs> I'm still navigating this day to day. I don't have it all figured out. I'm not a therapist I don't have all the answers and I fully believe that each mom's motherhood journey is so unique and so special to her and so what works for one mom might not work for another so I'm just gonna share what's helped me personally with the mental load with sleep deprivation and just with other types of stress so Sleep deprivation. First off, what's helped me is taking things more slowly. Uh, I'm someone who likes to do a lot, have a lot on my plate and never slow down. So I have to be really intentional about slowing down. And that's really hard, but it helps (laughs) if you're sleep deprived. Uh, napping when you can. I'm also a self-declared anti-napper. I do not like to nap. (laughs) I like to be productive. You sense a theme here. So I have to be really intentional those first, with my second, my first 12 months postpartum because he didn't sleep through the night till he was one. But I had to be really intentional about choosing working, cleaning, household chores, or sleeping. I had to be really intentional about my time and my body and what it needed. And I did nap more often than I ever have in my life, but it, it helped. Um, and I didn't always sleep when the baby slept. Sometimes I slept in in the morning and my husband could take the kids, which is not always the case, but just nap when you can uh, and go to bed earlier. And that's hard to say because I'm not great about that either all the time. But in a season of sleep deprivation, you really do have to be honest about how Your lack of sleep is affecting your mindset, your attitude, your health. You know, it lowers our immune system. So, just be more diligent, and sleep is something to be prioritized as much as you can prioritize it in that season. So, that's how I dealt with it. Let's talk about mental load real quick because that's a huge stressor we face as moms as well. Some things that have helped me just cope with the mental load of motherhood. One of the biggest things is communicating better, more often, and more transparently with my husband. Not easy, again, but he is my husband for a reason, and he can handle me. He can handle my issues, and um, the Lord can also handle my issues, thank God, and I bring so much to my Lord all the time. But communicating with my husband helped a lot because he can't read my mind, and so letting him know what I needed, what I needed help with. What I needed him to do with the kids so I could just get a minute. I mean, we still have to work through these things. So, communication is huge in dealing with the mental load of motherhood. I like to brain dump if you're not familiar with what that is. It's basically getting out a sheet of paper, and you know how you might be like doing dishes and you're like, oh yeah, I need to add frozen waffles to the grocery list. And you've thought about that six times in the last 36 hours. Uh, that's something that needs to go on a brain dump because there's all these thoughts that will like pop into your mind and then you forget 10 seconds later. Do you know what I'm talking about? hope I'm not crazy. I-, I think you know what I'm talking about. But those thoughts that are floating around in our head, they create this burden, this feeling of heaviness because we're keeping them in our head and there's so much therapeutic feeling in getting those things out of your head and onto paper where you can see them and you know they're in a trusted place that they're not going anywhere because in our head they're there for a second and then they go somewhere else right and we forget about them and then pops back in our head and then it goes somewhere else and it stresses us out because we're like I can't forget that put it down on paper Okay, brain dump. Set aside some time, especially if you start to feel so much going through your head and it's starting to create this feeling of stress. Can you tell I'm passionate about these brain dumps? Poof, they give me life. Get out a piece of paper and just write all those things down that keep popping into your head. And you're not going to remember all of them, but when some things pop up, write them down there. Again, a piece of paper in the kitchen is like a super helpful thing. Maybe we should make that our action item after this podcast today. Go put a piece of paper in your kitchen so you can write things down on it, what you eat, what's going through your head. But nonetheless, brain dump, it will take so much stress off of your mind and off of just that mental load that you feel. And then the last thing that's helped me a ton with my mental load, and I'm getting so much better at this. Again, I'm three years into motherhood. So if you are a brand new mama and you're like, oof, I'm not good at that. Just know that I have had three years of learning this. So don't compare yourself to where I'm at in my journey of motherhood. I'm sure there's moms further along than I am that are phenomenal at this, but I have been better. And have had to learn how to say no more often. No to get-togethers. No to outings. No to things I want to do for myself. Things again like working out versus taking a nap. Or getting the dishes done versus going to bed. There's things I've had big things and little things. Social things and personal things that I've had to learn to say no to. So I can take more off my plate. That has helped insane amounts with the mental load. So hope one of those helped you because the mental load in motherhood is something else. But those three things, communication, brain dumping, and learning how to say no more often have been instrumental in helping me deal with this chronic stress that just can come with motherhood and ultimately can affect your weight loss. Again, this could be an episode in and of itself. uh, And there's no one right answer because every mom is so different, but small things, small changes can make huge differences. And these are just a few again that have helped me. So I hope those helped you. I hope that was helpful. Last thing we're going to address is hormone imbalances. Okay. If you think this is an issue for you, if you've done your due diligence again, talk to your healthcare provider. Okay. This is a medical thing. Hormones can be helped and treated both by like medical providers and non-medical providers. There's so many routes to address this. Um, and I'm not, a total, I'm not an expert in this. So again, that's why I'm telling you to go talk to care providers in your life. But you need to advocate for yourself and educate yourself. It's a two-pronged approach to anything that deals with the medical system is you need to be educated. You can't just go in and blindly trust one singular person about what's going on with you because you do know your body best. So you need to be educated about what you're going in questioning about. And you also need to advocate for yourself. If you come out of an appointment, you're like, I don't feel like I got the answers I needed. Seek out answers from someone else. Go educate yourself some more. Um, but hormone imbalances, it's a thing that, unfortunately, in this area, my kid's playing in the background, in this area of women's health, this isn't fully understood. It's not fully taken seriously by all healthcare providers. Unfortunately, there are some that are phenomenal in this area, and there's some that really aren't. So again, if you've done your due diligence in the other areas and are in a place where you need to lose weight for your health, um, if you need to lose weight for your mental health, whatever it is, it's absolutely worth the advocating and the conversation and the seeking of answers um, from healthcare providers in your life. So now real quick, because I know milk supply can be a concern When you are losing weight and breastfeeding at the same time, I want to give you a couple quick tips for increasing or maintaining your supply. Things that just support your body in keeping your supply up. So first things first, supply, like your milk, will be produced when you tell your body to produce more milk. So the best, best, best thing you can do is put your baby to breast or pump more often because that tells your body, it signals your body, hey, I need you to make milk again because we're taking milk out. So like basically milk out of your breasts will tell your breast to make more and replace it. So the best thing you can do is making sure you're feeding on demand. That's something that helped me a lot as my milk supply was evening out and figuring everything out. But feed on demand because um, when you're doing that, you are responding to your baby's cues for hunger, which change over time, right? Like kids go through growth spurts. Guess what? Babies go through growth spurts too, and there will be seasons they need more, seasons they need less during their development, and that's because of how their body's growing and developing. Their needs change. So again, okay. I need to go back to this. I need to backtrack a second before I go into these tips, but milk supply is nuanced, mama to mama. Um, and it does even out around two months. Like your supply should start to even out around two to three months and be more consistent, not that huge engorged feeling all the time. Oh, that was the worst um, for me personally. I did not enjoy that engorged feeling. But uh that two month, three-month mark can a lot of the times also be when moms start working out and When your milk supply evens out, you don't feel as engorged anymore. So in your brain, you might connect that to not having enough milk and contribute it to working out. But often that is not the connection and your body is still producing enough for your baby. You just don't have that engorgement anymore. So it's important to know that and be educated on that, that fact. Um, And also to know that the feeling of fullness or that engorged feeling does not equate to an adequate supply at all the size of your breasts, how full you are, how engorged you are does not mean you have more or less milk. Um, but again, that connection of how full you feel or, you know, being engorged certain times and then it evening out at that two to three month mark, honestly, for me, my milk supply didn't even out to like six months cause I have an oversupply issue, um, which has its downsides, even though it doesn't sound like it does, it does, but that's a side tangent. Um, but it can, reinforce having that connection of feeling a fullness means I have enough milk. It can reinforce that false belief that those things are connected when really they're not. Um, supply, again, creates demand. The more you put your baby to breast, the more you pump, the more you're going to make. Like the literally, it's like putting in an order at a restaurant, they're going to go make food. So the current feed puts in an order literally for the next one to come. So again, that's really important. Uh, feeding on demand, especially those first few months is really helpful, especially as your milk supply is getting established and getting in connection with what your baby needs. Fueling with enough food is really important. Again, we talked about that 1800 calorie mark that you want to make sure you're around or over. I mean, probably definitely over, but you want to make sure you're fueling with enough food. If you need to increase your supply, things like skin to skin contact help at any age. I mean, When my babies were like six, seven, eight months old, (laughs) and again, my supply was still evening out because of my oversupply. If I had them like on my chest or in a carrier, I would notice I was way more engorged than usual. So, skin to skin helps a lot, or just even like holding your baby there in your bosom. Um, how weird that word feels so weird to me to say. Okay, um, hot compress also helps a lot before or during pumping or nursing sessions, it helps your letdown. It helps you calm down. Um, but that heat does really help as does manual massage while you're pumping or breastfeeding and just like massaging. And especially if you got any clogged ducts, heat and that massage helps so much. And again, frequent milk removal will help increase your supply as well. So if those are things you're worried about or things you are dealing with when it comes to supply issues, you're dealing with supply. Those are things that can help negate any concerns, if you want to start taking action early, but ultimately if you're taking milk out, more will come. um, if you have those other things in place. So what I want you to do now that we're done with this episode, now that we have addressed the issues that could be causing you to not lose weight, breastfeeding, and some solutions that can help is I want you to take a second to reflect and be fully honest with yourself. Where are you right now? The first thing Is do you have weight to lose? Like, is this a season where it's actually vital that you lose weight for your health, for your mental health, like for your mindset, for how you feel with your confidence? Is that really important? If it is, totally cool. Like for me, it was important because I didn't feel like myself. I didn't feel strong. I felt really uncomfortable. It was just affecting like the mindset side of things. So if you do have weight to lose, whether for health issues, for me after my first, it was with blood pressure and preeclampsia. I did need to lose that weight. So, do you have the weight to lose? Is it a season that it's important? Um, And then be honest. Is it just a matter of time and the weight loss has slowed down and isn't going as fast as it was before and you just need to get more patient? That honestly could be the case. Okay. It took me 14 months to lose 70 pounds after after my second. 14 months. A lot of the times I think we can see those nine month in, nine month out pictures and think, oh, like by nine months, I'll be back to like feeling good and the weight I want to be at and confident. And that was not the case for me either time with my kids. So let go of the timeline. If you need to go back to the episode I talked about, uh, letting go of expectations. It was one of the first episodes. You need it. It was a good one. But do you just need to get more patient? Or Is there a change you can make that will make a difference? Is something I talked about today, did you go, wait, there is something I can do about that. That's something I haven't tried yet. Is it eating too much? Are you not eating enough? Are you less active than you think you are? (laughs) Is it chronic stress that you're not dealing well with? It's really hard to cope and learn how to cope in this totally new season. Or are there hormonal issues going on for real? What have you addressed? What, which of those areas have you actually addressed in full honesty and what haven't you addressed? Once you pinpoint that, now you can start to become a problem solver. Now it's one thing to identify the issue, but you cannot complain about where you're at if you haven't done anything about it. Okay. I'm not going to let you do that because you're better than that. You're stronger than that. You're more worthy than staying in the place that you are mentally right now. You're an overcomer. Okay. You are a tough love mom. So what can you try first? What do you need to address first? Remember one thing, not all of them at the same time because you won't be able to pinpoint or sustain that solution. I want you to be a professional about this. I want you to be a scientist about this. I want you to pick one issue to attack. Again, eating too much, not eating enough, being less active, chronic stress, or actually your hormones. Which one issue are you attacking first? And to be totally honest, I would, I would tell you to focus on those in that order and you can switch out activity level with nutrition, but you know, I would say that's a basic, that is the foundation of weight loss. So start there, start with nutrition, start with fitness, then go focus on chronic stress. And if none of those things give you the solution, if none of those things are fixing the issue that you're facing, go to your hormones. Okay. But pick one issue to attack and follow through on the solutions to address it. And then if you're still stuck, move on to something else that could be causing this issue with losing weight while you're breastfeeding. Okay. You have to do one thing at a time. This is a process. I know we are in a culture and live in a society and often can fall victim to this mindset of wanting things. Now we want that instant gratification. We want that instant answer, but we can't always have that. And when it comes to our health, It is a long-term thing. Our health is something we have until the day we die. Our health is part of who we are. It is how we make up. It is what gives us the ability to function or not function in our day-to-day. And so you have to treat it like that. It's a day-in, day-out thing. Your health is always with you. So you need to treat it like that, and it's a process. And what's cool is when you treat it like a process, when you let go of the timeline and you focus on the long-term when it comes to weight loss when it comes to motherhood, when it comes to all these changes that you're facing. It's got a lot more preachy than I thought it would, but I'm here for it. When you take those things slow and day by day and focus on one thing at a time and finding the solutions that are going to work, it is going to be sustainable. Your weight loss is going to stay off. It's going to be something that you can keep up, something that becomes part of who you are, you know, working out will become part of who you are. Eating healthier will be more motivating because it's just what makes you feel good versus what you need to do to lose weight. Like, I'm about this long term. I'm here for the long term. So if you're here for the long term, you're in the right place. Because I'm not about those quick fixes. I'm not about you losing the weight in nine months. I mean, if you do, great. I didn't. It's not the truth for everyone. But you can lose it. And it's about approaching it long-term. So when you get to the nutrition and activity side of things, the fitness and nutrition side of stuff, that is my job. That's something I help people with. And I'm here to walk you through that and make sure you're clear on what you need calorically, you know, fitness wise, what's doable and sustainable for you week to week in this exact season and pivoting as those things come. My clients get to work with me for a year at a time when it comes to fitness and nutrition. So Um, If you need help with that, if you need that guidance on exactly what your body needs nutritionally, if you need that community, because motherhood is lonely sometimes, postpartum is lonely. And if you need that support from me, as you navigate all these things and all these changes, and even if you're trying to pinpoint these, um, we can even throw in workouts if you want to not just work on the nutrition, but you want to attack all of these issues. And if you just need that simplicity and structure in your journey and my support, you can head to the link below. Um, I'll get you we're going to get you educated. We're going to get you supported in this area so you can actually see the skill move in the direction that you want it to. Again, I just want to remind you that this is long-term. Uh, all these solutions, as you're taking them on one at a time, are going to take time to see change, are going to take time to say, oh, that wasn't the issue. Let's move on to the next thing. But what's cool is you build confidence in yourself. Not how you look. It's not this like outward confidence. It's this inward confidence of I trust myself and I trust that what I'm doing for my health, that what I'm doing for my journey, for my weight loss, for my longevity is working because I know it works for me. And you can't figure out what works for you as an individual without treating it like a process. If you treat it like this problem instead of a process, once it's fixed, you're going to forget to keep doing the things that you were doing. To fix that problem. So treat it like a process, treat it like the journey that it is. Your health again is with you forever. So pinpoint one thing to start with, take it one day, one solution at a time. And I promise you, you will see changes. You will find the answers to the issues that you're facing, but you can only do that for yourself. You are capable and I've just left you empowered to do so. So go get after it, mama. Before you go, Thank you for spending this time with me on the tough love mom podcast. If this episode encouraged you in any way, the number one way you can thank me is to leave a review, letting me know how the show has impacted you. Then send this episode to another mom friend or take a screenshot, post it on social media and tag me so I can personally thank you for helping me on this journey to impact thousands of moms. I'm so grateful to be on this journey with you, sister until next time, get after it.